makes the heart sick, but desired fulfilled is a tree of life. We speak to those desires and we say, come back. Arise again in the name of Jesus. Begin to be, a, begin to be birthed again in the name of Jesus. Be sparked again in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Father. The Father's beginning to download dreams into your mind, things that you've forgotten about. And he says that those are not impossible. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. Those things will and still can happen in Jesus' name. Some of you are getting thoughts right now, dreams. Some of you are getting reminders of a closeness that you had with Jesus before. You're getting a reminder. That is yours today. The enemy cannot take anything from you. If he gives it, it cannot be taken. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Breathe fresh life, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Let me ask, did anybody, I mean, just on the, um, let me say this first. You know, when we gather together, uh, you know, um, the Father always has something he wants to do. You know, he knows every human heart in this room. He knows what's going on. He has things he wants to say. He has things he wants to do. And, uh, you know, th times like we just had, you know, may, may not be your typical church, you know. But uh, Jesus, he wants to move. And when you give him an opportunity, I really thank you for your boldness. That was outstanding. And um, it's just important that we're sensitive to that. And some of you may feel uncomfortable about it. It's okay. Jesus likes to make you uncomfortable. We're talking about, you know, the Lord himself. Every time he showed up, people felt uncomfortable because they were used to things a certain way, and all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. You know, they're used to when you have a funeral that the person stays dead, you know, and then you go bury him. But instead, when Jesus showed up, he would pull him out of the casket. I mean, you know, that made people, whoa, that was a, we weren't expecting that one, right? That was a little fast one. Do I have like a buzzy? Am I buzzy? Probably because I'm a little taller than Todd, so when I sit up here, to, he's going to listen to this. Are you recording this? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Did not drink this coffee. I better not spill it. Oh, Lord, I'll never be invited back. How many people, sorry, I was going to ask a question. How many people felt something, some things coming alive? Just in that moment there. Anybody get some, some stuff, maybe some old dreams, maybe some new dreams? Anybody feel some stuff, right? How many know the Father's really, he's really after the condition of our heart, you know? It doesn't matter about age or time or what you've, you know, what you've done, what you haven't done. He wants to see those things. If those things excite you, they excite him. So, well, I've got a couple things on my heart. And we'll see if I get to it all or what happens. Um, the message on my heart, I feel like God wants to do two things today. One is um, heal the disappointed heart. 
Um, and the second one is ignite people with a fresh expectation to go for the things of God. And the reason why I said both of those things, and I'm a pacer, so you're going to have to be watching me, okay? Is first off, like Proverbs says, that hope deferred makes a heart sick. How many people have prayed for something and it hasn't happened? You better have your hand up or you haven't prayed at all, huh? <laughs> and you thought to yourself, well, goodness, the Lord doesn't care. All these thoughts start to come. Come on. I'm not the only one to think those things, right? And what also can happen? A seed of discouragement can begin to come. And then what happens next time you try to go and pray for something? Uh, I remember that. That didn't feel good. Heart gets what? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And uh, so I feel like he wants to do those two things. I felt like he was really doing that in our prayer time. Renewing dreams, you know, and especially for adults here. I mean, I'm sure that everybody could raise their hands a thousand times. Of th- How many people have had things not work out exactly like you wanted them to? I mean, come on, right? <laughs> Relationships, fine, I mean, anything, right? But there's, there's a, um, when things like that happen, you, two things can happen. One, you can get um, motivated and say, I'm going to see this happen. Maybe it's a breakthrough in your finances. Maybe it's a, a, something you want in your relationship. Maybe it's something with you and the Lord. Or something can come in your heart and make you not want to do that ever again. All right, anybody, am I talking to anybody here or am I, am I all alone here? I know I could raise my hand like a million times for that. I'll give you an example. I own a, I, you know, I'm a, a small business owner, and we do so much marketing, it's insane. You would be surprised how much doesn't work, <laughs> how many employees didn't work out. I mean, I, I do salesmen, so I, I hire door-to-door salesmen. I think I've been through about 60 to 70 in five years. How I many know that's a lot? But I have a decision to say, okay, I'm never doing that again. That hurt. That was a disappointment. Or I've made the decision in my business that I will never stop pursuing to grow. The Lord spoke to me about a year or two ago, and he said, the only way you're not going to be successful is if you stop me. I didn't go to school for business. I've got friends that are unbelievable in business. I just fell into it because I needed to pay my bills. But he spoke to me, he said, the only way you're not going to be successful is if you stop. So I made a decision, um, kind of basically to get used to picking myself back up off the ground. <laughs> Let's try that. Oh, that really hurt. That did not work. But we're going to get back up. We're going to keep going. So I want to talk a little bit about some of that stuff. And the, the Was that me? Uh-oh. Does that relate to anybody? Anybody felt that? How about anybody felt that with the relationship with the Lord? We're going to obviously home that in to, to that. I felt that thousands of times, both ends. I've been on the good side and the bad side. Like, I'm never doing that again. That was terrible. And I'm like, all right, I'll try it again. Uh, so I want to talk about the pursuing heart. I believe this is the true attitude of a follower of Jesus or a disciple, the pursuing heart. Um. Uh, Matthew 5, 6, it said, Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Psalm 42, uh, 1 through 2, it says that um, 
As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? This is David. I believe there's a certain little, a little ingredient that the Father likes. I believe with all my heart that it doesn't matter. There's no human being that will ever qualify to, you know, to, to be worthy uh, to following Jesus. But I do believe there's something that he really likes in a follower. Does that make sense? I mean, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be educated. You don't, you can, it doesn't matter at all. But the one thing that I think he likes is a heart that wants him. How many people like that with a relationship? No, no, you don't. You just rather be friends with somebody that can't stand you. I mean, come on, you can raise your. I raise my hands. See, when I raise my hands like this, and you agree with me, you raise your hand too. Everybody here? All right. Okay. I like interaction. So, I believe he likes that. You know, I believe. Um, I believe he picked the disciples for this reason. And you say, well, I, well how can you t- say that? Remember, he, Jesus would teach in parables. Who came afterward and asked what the parables meant? You think he closed the door? Did he not let anybody else in? Who came afterward and wanted to know more? Why did they want to know more? Were they maybe hungry to know what's going on? Were they maybe to have a little something in their hearts? I want to know this, right? Remember when Jesus, if you remember in John, Jesus said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood or you have no part with me. Everybody bails. We're out of here. That's too hard of a statement for us. Jesus turns. Looks at the disciples, says, you guys going to bail too? And Peter says, how can we, you alone, have the words of eternal life? What did they, they had discovered something that the crowds did not discover. You know, there was thousands of followers of Jesus, but there were 120 that were in the room that got baptized with the Holy Spirit. There was thousands of followers. I believe that the hunger that they had allowed them to jump over the, of the hurdle of offense, the things they didn't understand, the prayers that didn't get answered, the things that weren't, they didn't, they just simply had no clue what was going on. But they had a hunger and they had seen something in Jesus that made them come alive in here and they were willing to pay any price for it. And that's why he picked them. <laughs> that's my opinion. That's not in the Bible. So that's just my personal opinion. I feel, I feel like David is the same type of person. When, Jesus, when God said that David is a man after my own heart, I believe that he had something inside here that wanted God no matter what. He may not have known all the answers. He may not have been the most qualified, but he wanted him. Thank you, Josh. I'm out of water. Oh, Lord. Thank you. You're pretty. Does that make sense? Yes, no, maybe so? Okay. So I feel like, um, I feel like God wants to, he wants to ignite us, but I also feel like he wants us to recognize our moment. You know, years ago, um, gosh, I don't know, what, the years have all blurred together now for me, but I think it was 10 years ago, maybe more. Um, I had a friend that was from Brazil, and uh, they had been experiencing a massive revival in, in Argentina and Brazil. You may have heard of it, um, but he was see- they were seeing all kinds of things happen in their church. Blind eyes were opening, tumors were disappearing, the presence of God was moving like crazy. And he began to tell me these stories. I had never seen that. I'd probably been saved maybe about a year and a half. 
Um, but when he began to tell me these stories, something started happening in, in here. I began to hear these things. Remember, what it, what it uh, was it, I, I love it when it says that the blind Bartimaeus, what he heard that Jesus was passing by. <laughs> Everyone else knew Jesus was passing by. He got in the book. Why did he get in the book? He started yelling out, right? Why was he yelling out? Because he wanted something. He wanted something. He wanted something, and he began to yell out. And he didn't allow those that deetered him to stop him. He wanted it, and he was going to get it. So I began to hear these stories of this revival, and something began to happen in my heart. I had never seen anything like this. Um, I had never heard anything like this. And, uh, but I recognize, wait a minute. You mean those things are available. You mean that God can do those things. So I left that night with my friend. And uh, we were just telling stories. I went home, and I stayed up because I had to have what I heard. I had to have it. When I started hearing that that Jesus that, that was in the Bible was actually doing the same things today, I had to have it. I could not... I could not live without it, and I've got a million things that didn't work along the way. A million, I could write books on, on how not to see God move <laughs> because it did not happen. But I had to have him. I had to see that for myself. I had to experience it. Something had caught me, and I had more than my share of opportunities to give up. But something happened here. And I began to begin to pray. I began to pray things like, Jesus, as much as a man can experience you on this earth, that's how much I want to experience you. As much as capable for a human being to see you move this side of heaven, that's what I want. I began to pray these prayers. I used to begin to pray them. It would, I would always walk outside. I'd walk in the rain. It didn't matter. I would just begin to pray. I wanted something. I, I had to have it. And I wasn't going to allow... Trust me, I prayed thousands of times, and I didn't see anything different. In fact, I felt maybe more discouraged than ever. But something had happened to me. A hunger had begun to come inside of me that was not satisfied by anything else but him. So when that happened, well, I'll give you a story. I, 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 uh, I began to hear these stories of, of God doing miracles. And uh, I heard them for five years. I prayed for five years. I never saw a miracle. And then one day, I had a million opportunities to give up. In fact, I did. I gave up probably a million times. Prayed for people, prayed for God to move, prayed for these things. Was still hungry, wrestled with my emotions on it hundreds of times, and then years later, all of a sudden we begin to see something happen. When we began to pray for people, and all of a sudden they started to get healed. All of a sudden miracles started to happen. I was like, okay, what just happened here? Y'all give it up for my mom. Yeah, that's not happening. Good try. Good try, good try, good try. Good try. 
All right, guys, that was awesome. Uh, anyways, so I, I, um, I began to seek things. I began to hunger for it. But that was, I, I, again, I don't feel like I'm qualified. I've heard people say, okay, well, you're gifted. You're an evangelist. No. If you saw how many times I prayed for people, there's no way in the world you'd ever think that I had the gift of healing. If I did, it broke, and it didn't work because I prayed for people hundreds of times. One thing that, had ha- that happened to me that I'm still praying continues to happen to me was a desire to see God move. It was only satisfied by seeing him. Desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I can tell you my heart got sick a million times by my hope being deferred. But I overcame that hurdle. I call it the hurdle of offense. That's what Jesus did. See, he threw out a hurdle of offense when he said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Right? That's what he did. He threw that out there. He knew this is going to get these guys fired up. Right? I mean, you're talking about Jews. You cannot drink blood. He threw out a hurdle of offense. What did that do? That separated those who really wanted him and those that were just there because the crowd was there. That's what it did. Boom. Right? What is the the word of God like? It's like a a sword sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing the soul and the spirit. That word, boom. Everybody's gone, but who? The people that were hungry enough to overcome their offenses, even if they didn't understand, they knew they had to have him. You alone have the words of eternal life, Jesus. We don't understand a thing you're saying, and now we really look bad. There's just 12 of us following you. But we know that you got something. Let's read a story. This is in, uh, this is somewhere, this is in Luke. This is a story about Zacchaeus. Who knows about Zacchaeus? Remember the song? Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man by the name of Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And what happens next? Jesus turns to him and says, Zacchaeus, you come down from there. I'm going to be coming to your house tonight. How many people do you think were following Jesus if Zacchaeus couldn't see over him? Right? You think it was a small crowd? Small crowd, right? No, okay. Probably thousands upon thousands, okay? How many people did Jesus see? He saw one man. Why did he see that one man? You think that man may have been a little hungry for God? He could have settled, right? He was short. He could have settled. This is my lot. I never get to see anything. You know, I'm short. Whatever. No, he didn't. I believe that he had a passion or a desire, a hunger that was happening in his heart, and Jesus recognized it immediately. Remember, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. So something inside of Zacchaeus had caught the attention of the father. Something. I believe that it was a hunger for God. I believe it was a passion. I want to see him. I want to, I want to see this man. And the father saw it, and Jesus, and Jesus, obviously, he's in tune with the father. He says, up. Zacchaeus, you come down. You know, there's something about hunger and faith that can, God, can cause God to skip over 10,000 people and land on you. I've been in tons of meetings, 
And I've heard the people in the back, God's not moving. And I've seen people getting healed of every kind of disease you can think of here in the front. Is God not there? Is it all pretend? No. The people in the front were hungry. People in the front wanted something. Hunger mixed with faith, and all of a sudden they got their miracle. They began to see what they desired. They had pressed past, okay, that sounds cool. They had pressed past um, just kind of wanting something, and they said they had become an obsession. I have to have this, and they received it. Here's Zacchaeus. I have to see him, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to see this man. Right? You remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood? Right? Who remembers that story? Right? How many, I mean, everybody's touching Jesus. Do you think anybody was sick that was touching Jesus at that moment? Right? One woman caused God to move. Do you think she was desperate? Do you think she wanted something? Do you think she had a hunger inside of her? Am I right? I mean, you seeing a pattern here? You seeing a pattern? I believe that God wants every one of our hearts to be there. He never, he never, he doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. He doesn't do that. He's, he, you know, it's just like me as a father, right? I could do everything for my son his entire life. Everything. What would he be? He would be 100% dependent on me the rest of his life. He'd never learn. He'd never grow. But if he wants to know stuff, he needs to come to me, and I need to teach him. I believe that the Father wants us to be more like treasure hunters. I believe there's something in there that he wants us to have an adventure-like spirit that's hungry for more, but also has the proper faith that knows he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek them, right? So those who, who pray must believe that God is a rewarder, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Why do they say that? Because if you don't believe that, you're not going to see anything. <laughs> if you don't believe he rewards you, and you're just praying, maybe doing, who's ever done the, uh, the I'll see if God will touch me prayer? Anybody ever done that? Right? The little shotgun, yeah, well, if God wants to touch me, I'll, I'll. all right, Lord, if you do this, I'll serve you. It's completely out of 100% doubt. It's completely out of 100% just, you know, you have nothing in your heart that wants him. And does that prayer normally get answered? Sometimes it does. I've been sideswiped a couple of times. There's more of a smack in the face than a, than a, uh, any, but anybody ever felt that before? Seen that? Okay. So I believe he wants us to have a heart like a treasure hunter. What ha- what, if you see these treasure hunters, anybody see these shows? The Gold Rush. Anybody ever seen these shows on TV? Nobody? Oh, so when you guys nod, remember, I'm a hand raiser, so thank you. There we go. There we go. I can't really tell if some of you are falling asleep or you're actually nodding yes. So, <laughs> But you see these guys, what happens to them? What do they get? They get the gold bug, right? They get that something. What happens? Something comes inside of them, and they are messed up, friend. They are messed up, and they are going to get gold no matter what. You see these guys, these guys are going crazy for gold. Have you seen these, anybody seen these guys that dive underwater and like in the freezing cold in Alaska to get gold? Not happening. <laughs> but what has happened to them? Something has happened inside of here, right? And they, they have to have it, right? I believe that's the same thing with us. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that once a man finds it, over excitement 
for that treasure, goes and sells all that he has. Over excitement for that treasure. I believe that's how he wants us to begin to live. You know, there is nothing that is impossible for us. Today could be the day that everything changes for you. Today could be a day that you have an experience with God that alters you forever. You could begin to hear the voice of God like you've never heard it before. You can begin to experience his presence like you've never heard before. I was talking to, I have a good friend. He's a, he's a traveling uh, uh, speaker and an evangelist. And uh, he's, in, he's up in Wisconsin now. And he's going on his, he, they, he went for a three-day weekend to speak at this church. There was so much hunger there, so much hunger, that all of a sudden God began to move. He's on his fourth week of nonstop meetings. Every single night. And I'm not saying that to say we need to try that or that's a formula. What I'm saying is he said when I got there, the elders, the people had been praying nonstop. Almost the whole church was showing up to nightly prayer. They wanted something from God. He showed up and just happened to kind of light it and it's game over now. I feel like he wants to ignite that here. I feel like he wants to stir us afresh here. I want to live like that. I know for me, I don't. I know that I, my daily life gets in the way. I know that uh, I, I will go through the day, and sometimes I haven't thought about the Lord almost at all. I, I know that. I'm guilty of that myself. But I want to live with a constant kind of a hunger, that, that bug, that gold bug that says, I've got to have you, Jesus, no matter what. I have to see more of you. I'm, not okay. I'm happy and I'm thankful for everything I get to see. But I never want to just become complacent. I never want to say, okay, well, I've seen great things, so I'm done. That's not the heart. I don't want my son to come to a point in his life where he just, he's okay, he's had enough relationship with his dad. <laughs> I mean, how many parents would want that? Oh, you're, you're, you're okay. You know, I want to have a, I'm done with you. You know, I had 18 years. Peace out. You know, who would want that? No one would, right? And I feel like he wants that. He wants to ignite that adventurous spirit and heal the disappointments. How many people have prayed for things and it hasn't happened? And, you, and, you've, and you've allowed, you can say, you know what? A, a wall of offense came in my heart. I mean, I'm, I'm all over that. <laughs> I'm all over that. I, I feel that sometimes daily. What if the Father came in and he tore all that down and he refreshed you today where when you prayed, you, you, you just had a, a, a childlike hope when you ask him, he's going to do it. What if there was just maybe a missing ingredient to those prayers? Just a missing ingredient. Maybe the father didn't answer that right away because he was looking to create something inside of you. Maybe he wanted to pull, wanted to get, let that hunger rise up a little bit more. Maybe he wanted you to be a little bit more passionate. He wanted to see, are you, you really want this? How much are you going to pursue it? You know, in the pursuit is when you, when you mature to handle the blessing. It's in the pursuit of it. Maybe he's wanting just to ignite you a little bit. Is anybody with me? Check this out. This is my favorite. Going back to, the, to just showing you this passion or this heart in the disciples. Uh, Y'all remember um, in John, the end of John, Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he's showing up to his disciples, you know. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure that they, that was freaking them out a little bit. I mean, you know. And uh, anyways, Peter had decided, I'm going fishing, right? 
I don't know, I, I've given three years of this whole Jesus following thing, and for, I'm going fishing. He dies, I don't know what's going on, I'm completely out of here, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my, what, my, uh, my uh, occupation that I left for him. He's in there fishing, of course they catch nothing, right? And uh, all of a sudden, the man shows up on the, on the bank and yells out, cast it on the other side. You would think that they would realize. I mean, it already happened to them once earlier, right? This is the second time that this happens, you know. But they hadn't realized it yet, which is good. It's an encouragement for me because there's plenty of times I don't realize stuff. Anyways, they throw the, they throw the um, net on the other side. They catch a huge catch of fish. They, barely, you know, they can barely haul it in. And then John turns to Peter and he says, it's the Lord. And this is what Peter Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. This right here is why I believe that Peter was the leader. He jumped into the water. They had paddles. The rest of them, they, they rowed the boat back. <laughs> they were in the boat, not Peter. He had to have him. <laughs> he had to have him no matter what. That's the other reason why Peter got out on the water. Everybody could have walked on the water. I believe there was something extra in Peter. Not that he was more qualified. Of course, none of them were qualified. They were laymen. But he had a little something in here. He obviously made tons of mistakes, but there was something in here that got Father God's attention. <laughs> just a little something. Oh, man, I don't know. If that doesn't mess you up, it messes me up. Can't you just see it? And you're, kind of, I'm, so you're sitting there kind of wondering, well, why didn't the rest of you just jump in? Or maybe you're thinking, well, that's kind of stupid. Why didn't he take the boat back? Well, when you're in love... You do stupid things. That's the facts. God wasn't looking for a man that did everything that he's supposed to do. He's just looking for a man that was desperate for him. And even Jesus, on the end of this, he turns to him. They're making fish on the, on the uh, they're cooking fish over a charcoal fire. And uh, which, you know, I don't know if you realize, but charcoal fire has a certain smell. You remember G- Peter was warming his hands over a charcoal fire when he denied the Lord. So here's Jesus. He's cooking over a charcoal fire, and he turns to to Peter and says, do you love me? And after three times, Peter just comes undone. He says, Lord, you know that I love you. That's all he needed. He didn't have to be qualified. He just needed that. (laughs) I'm not saying that we should make mistakes intentionally. I'm just saying God was looking for that. Because I know that if you have that passion for me, you're going to jump over every hurdle. You're going to overcome offense. You're going to take whatever it takes. Because that hunger that is, that is only satisfied by me will drive you past everything else. When you get persecuted, all those things, that hunger, that is what I need. I'm going to tell you a story. Y'all are a little quiet in here. Anybody ever seen this book? Oh, sorry. Am I not showing? It's called The Heavenly Man. Anybody read this? 
okay, you should read this book. Not for kids. This is about, this is a book of the life of uh, one of the key founding uh, fathers to the underground church in China. This is his life story. And it's unbelievable, but it's also very, very intense. But I want to talk, I want to, this story's been on my mind, um, and I want to read, read it to you. It's a lot of reading, so everybody okay? Everybody stand up real quick. Real quick, come on, come on. Yeah, hey, y'all are looking like you're falling asleep. I'm about to fall asleep. Stand up, come on, shake yourself off. Come on, come on, come on. Jump in the water, right? All right. You can sit back down. I'm going to get a stool because this is like, th- this is a couple pages here. Everybody all right? Okay. I'm going to tell you this story. Story. I know I do need some water. Thank you. It's my lips. The Heavenly Man. Buy it. I got this for $2 on Amazon. I gave, I've given mine away multiple times. Buy this book. Go read it. Really good. Okay. Um, I'm giving you a backdrop here. This is, um, this is in... 1974, it says communist China, right? Uh, in the 1950s, there was a communist movement. Um, is it Mao, is that right? Uh, had taken every single Bible, any type of literature that in any fashion would um, ign- you know, make a uh, culture think for themselves. He took it and burned it, especially Bibles. Okay, uh, Brother Yoon, his mother was saved um, during a missionary, when a missionary come through in the 50s, I think. But since the revolution, there was no Bibles anywhere in China. You were tortured and put, to, uh, put in prison if you had a Bible. So um, anyways, that's the backdrop here. And this is Brother Yoon. He's 16 years old, okay? And I'm going to, um, I'll dive in here. It says, the Lord called me to follow him at the age of 16. The year was 1964, and the cultural revolution was still raging throughout China. Um, at that time, his father got sick. His father got sick with uh, cancer, was dying on his deathbed, um, and they had no idea what to do. Um, they, were try- they spent all their money trying to get him healed. Um, one night, uh, my mother was lying on her bed, barely awake, and suddenly she heard a very clear and tender, compassionate voice. Jesus loves you. She, de- she knelt down on the floor and tearfully repented of her sins and rededicated her- herself to the Lord Jesus. Like the prodigal son, my mother came home to God. She immediately called our family to come and pray to Jesus. She told us Jesus is the only hope we have for our father. So he's dying on his sickbed. Um, all of us committed our lives to God when we heard what had happened. We then laid our hands on my father, and for the rest of the night we cried out a simple prayer, Jesus, heal father. Jesus, heal Father. Jesus, heal Father. The very next morning, my father found he was much better. Well, wow. For the first time in months, he had an appetite. Within a week, he had recovered completely with no trace of cancer. It was a great miracle of God. My parents were so grateful to God for what, we, what he had done that they immediately wanted to share the good news. So they tell the whole village to come. The whole village shows up and thinks that they're coming to a funeral. And then they tell them about Jesus. And anyways, that's not the point. 
uh, that I'm trying to get to, but that's a, that's a, good, that's a good start. That's a definitely a good start. Um, long story short, I'm, I'm giving you some more backdrop so I don't read a thousand pages to you. He, um, he starts to get hungry, and he asks his, um, he's talking to his mother. Now, I mean, picture this. This is so beautiful. He asked his mother, he said, um, I asked my mother if there were any words of Jesus left that I could read for myself. She was just telling him a couple stories she remembered. Uh, she replied, no, all his words are gone. There is nothing left of his teachings. This was during the Cultural Revolution when Bibles could not be found. From that day on, I earnestly wanted to have a copy of the Bible for myself. I asked my mother and fellow Christians what the Bible looked like. Uh, one person has seen a copy of scriptures or some portions, but never a whole Bible. Only a few old believers could recall seeing Bibles. The Word of God was scarce in the land. I was so hungry for a Bible. Seeing my desperation, my mother took me to an old man who was the pastor of the village where she got saved. And he began to ask him questions about the Bible. He said, um, they, got, they came there. He said, we, we asked the old man, he said, we long to see a Bible. Do you have one? The old man immediately looked fearful. This man had recently spent, had already spent 20 years in prison for his faith. He looked at me and saw that I was so young and poor with tattered clothes and a bare feet that he felt compassion but didn't want to show me his Bible. I don't blame him because in those days there were very few Bibles in China. Then he told him, he said, the old pastor simply told me the Bible is a heavenly book. If you want one, you'll need to pray to God, to the God of heaven. Only he can provide you a heavenly book. God is faithful and he always answers those who seek him with all their heart. I fully trusted the pastor's words. When I returned home, I brought a stone into my room and knelt down on it every evening for prayer. Had a simple prayer, Lord, please give me a Bible. Nothing happened. This went on for 100 days. <laughs> went back to the pastor and he saw the anxiety in my heart and he told me, he said, well, you should add fasting to your praying. Didn't bail him out. Um, so then he, he fasts for about another, how many days? Several days, and he begins to lose all his weight. His parents think he's crazy. His dad begins to, like, say, hey, you know, he starts to pray for him. Lord, don't let uh, my son lose his mind. And uh, then here we go. I'll let, I'll let the story tell itself. I went home every morning and afternoon. I ate nothing. I drank nothing. And then I ate a small bowl of rice for dinner. I cried like a hungry child to my heavenly father. Then suddenly, one morning, love the suddenness. Isn't that cool? At 4 a.m., after months of begging God to answer my prayers, I received a vision from the Lord. In the vision, I was walking up a steep hill trying to push a heavy cart in front of me. I was headed towards a village where I intended to beg for food for my family. They begged for food because they had spent all their money on their father's uh, health. So they were beggars at this point in their lives. Um, in the vision, I was, I was struggling greatly because in my vision, I was hungry and weakened by fasting. And the, and the old cart was about to roll and fall on him. So he's pushing a cart up a hill. And it's about to fall. And this is in a vision, okay? I then saw three men walking down the hill in the opposite direction. A kind old man who had a very long beard was pulling a large cart full of bread. Two other men were walking on each side. When the old man saw me, he felt great pity and showed me compassion. He said, are you hungry? I replied, yes, I have nothing to eat. I'm on my way to get food for my family. And then I wept because of, of how poor we were because of my father's sickness. 
In the vision, the old man took a red bag of bread from his trolley, asked his two servants to give it to me, and he said, you must eat it immediately. I opened the wrapping and saw there was a fresh bun of bread. When I put the bun into my mouth, it instantly turned into a Bible. Immediately in my vision, I knelt down and began to weep and thank the Lord for giving me a Bible. Then I woke up. I woke up and started searching the house for the Bible. Jesus. The rest of my family was asleep. The vision had been so real that I thought that it, I thought that it, was, it had really happened. My parents rushed to my room to see what happened and began to weep loudly because he couldn't find his Bible in his house. They thought I had gone crazy. My father said, Lord, please do not allow my son to go crazy. Um, my mother said, the day hasn't dawned yet. No one is at our house. The door is locked. Suddenly, I heard a faint knock at the door. A very gentle voice called my name. I rushed over and asked through the door, are you bringing bread for me? The gentle voice replied, yes, we have a bread feast for you. I immediately recognized the voice as the same one in my vision. I quickly opened the door, and there standing before me were the same two servants I've seen in my vision. One man held a red bag in his hand. My heart raced as I opened the bag and held in my hand my very own Bible. And then the two men departed in darkness. (laughs) The title of that chapter is Hunger Fulfilled. I just, I believe, you know, there's so many people will say things about, you know, well, God's not moving because the church isn't in unity. God's not doing this because this and this and this. There's only one missing ingredient. He's not that complicated. How much do you want him? How much do you actually have to see him move in your life? Is it, is that hunger inside of you big enough to make you pray every night for 100 days. I'm not saying you have to pray about everything for 100 days. But is that hunger inside of you so great that you'd do anything? That's the missing ingredient. And I want that more than ever. I've went up, my passion has went up and down plenty of times in my 14 years of serving the Lord. My hunger has went up and down. So I'm not, I'm not here preaching, to, I'm preaching to myself. I would love to have more. I would love for this passion to ignite me and take control of me and consume me. I would love to, to I, 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 more than anything, I want this exciting adventure to be back to be alive, and I want it in all of my friends. Are you gonna, is everything you pray for gonna happen immediately? No way. If we could find gold, if everybody could just put one shovel on the ground and find gold, well, guess what? Gold wouldn't have any value. <laughs> it wouldn't be worth anything. You have to search it out.
How are y'all feeling? Y'all thinking of the wheels turning? Anybody feel maybe a little, maybe a little flicker? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So um, this is what I want to do. Uh, I want to have the worship team come on back up. Everybody in here is at a different place, has different life experiences. Um, but I believe that the Lord still can do two things in everyone's heart. One, the biggest setback to the, the passionate, faith-filled, hope-filled heart is hope deferred. You hope something was going to happen. It didn't happen. And so it gets in here, and all of a sudden, you don't want to pray for that dream anymore. You took a risk, and you fell on your face. You had a hope that when you took that risk, God was going to do something for you, and it didn't happen. At that moment, you had a choice. You may not have known you had a choice, but you had a choice. You had a choice to dig deeper and say, I'm going to have this. I believe with all my heart that the Father wants me to, to see him this way. I believe with all my heart that God wants me to experience him this way. And you could pursue until you saw it. Years ago, I set my mind and said, I'm going to pursue healing until I see it. I set my mind. And people were really uncomfortable around me. Because they would think, oh, you're going to pray a small prayer for me and we'll, and we'll be done. Hours later... In Walmart, they're like, we got to go somewhere, friend. <laughs> I had set a resolve, and I knew with all my heart that if I diligently sought him, I would see it. That's just one attribute of him. Maybe you want to know his love. Maybe you want to hear his voice like you've never had. Maybe he gave you a vision, a dream to do something to help somebody, and, you, and, it, and it, that dream has died. The passion has died. I believe today with all my heart that he can remove those offenses, those areas in your heart that discouragement has come in and has made, made that spark, that adventure, that excitement, that hope-filled excitement disappear. I believe with all my heart he is the one that can heal it. I mean, he's the author of, he knows the, the desires of our heart, right? So I believe there's two crowds. Today, one, and you're gonna, everyone in this room, you're going to fall in one of these crowds. <laughs> you're going to fall in the, and you may fall in both. I'm going to fall in both. But uh, your first crowd is you've had that excitement. You've had something. And hope was deferred. You prayed for something, and it didn't happen. Or you expected something, and it didn't happen. And discouragement came in. And you want that roadblock to be removed. It may get removed. You may have to jump over it. I'm not sure. I'm not the Lord, and I don't, I'm not right in your journey. But you may need to jump over it. He may take it out of the way. He may heal it. I don't know. But he's calling you higher. There's no, the second group are those that want that fresh spark back. I told you, there's no way. If you don't want you're all falling in this group. Um, who, who would say yes, that, that's me on both hands? I'm saying yes, so you can raise your hands. If you're a little embarrassed to raise your hands, that's fine. I'm raising my hands. What I want to do is uh, I'm going to have some people come up, um, and we're going to pray for one another. 
We're not going to have an orderly service. If you want to give your offering, we're not going to stop. We're just going to let the Lord do what he needs to do. So if you want to give your offering, give your offering while we're worshiping. We're going to let the, let the Lord do something. But in those two groups, you can fall in both, but you're definitely falling in one. <laughs> Unless, if you're not falling in either one of those groups, then you need to come up here and pray for people. <laughs> and pray for me, please. Uh, so let's stand up. Let's stand up. Let me get a couple people. Josh, can you come on up here? Nathan, come on up here. Tess, you come on up here too. Thank you, Lord. You can come forward um, and we can pray for you. Um, or you can close your eyes and you can, you can begin to just be ministered to by the Lord. But I don't want you to leave. We're not doing church as usual. He has a mission today. And, I, and, and again, remember Zacchaeus recognized his moment. He had one shot to see Jesus. He had that one opportunity. There was that moment that was, that was etched out from eternity for him. And he took it. He seized it. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. You must grab it. Today is your day to be healed, to be restored, to be ignited like never before. So you guys play whatever you want. We're going to be up here for prayer, but I want everyone, if you fall in those categories, don't leave today without those changing. Thank you, Lord.